The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts and guests of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs broadcasted on this station. If you would like to know more about Valley Free Radio, please visit us at valleyfreeradio.org. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Michael Dow, and with me tonight are George Claxton and Good Susan Timberlake. Hey there. And, uh, the inimitable John Roberts once again uh, running the board. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, thank before, God it's Friday. <laughs> thank God it's Friday. So before thank we get all the gods, it's Friday. <laughs> and you're welcome, my son. <laughs> So before we get into uh, talking about politics, I just want to mention uh, that you can contact us, and we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at radio at valleyfreeradio.org, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio, at civilpoliticsfm on Twitter, and uh, we do have a website, which is quite simply civilpoliticsradio.com, that has recordings of previous episodes of the show, as well as uh, links to things that we've talked about and whatnot. Uh, I should also mention that uh, uh, if you want to listen to us as a podcast, we're on iTunes and various other uh, podcasting uh, access programs, Blech. apps, sure. But we do publish it so that you can do that. Anyway, um, how you guys... Oh, actually, and I should also mention, I believe it's... Uh, is it two weeks from tonight that we start our fun drive? It's the 9th or the 3rd? Next weekend, right? Yeah. It is the 7th. It starts the 7th, right. Okay, so we're just over a week from uh, starting our uh, fun drive. So next week we should uh, be doing uh, uh, the, the fun drive for... Or Maybe two weeks from tonight. Money, 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 money. But yes, money. we'll be doing the fun drive for Valley Free Radio. So uh, please do uh, get your wallets handy and be ready to contribute when we uh, are doing the show. Actually, the 7th would be a week from Sunday. Yes, it starts a week from Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah. And Earth Day is tomorrow. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so. I thought Earth Day was last week. Whatever. Every day, we're, every day is a day on Earth, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, why would we? I'm mostly here on Earth. spinning through space. So, Oh, it was last week? Last yeah, week. it was last week. Oh, somebody told me today was tomorrow, that, and I fell for it. Today was well, tomorrow? Well, that's, that's, that's the science. <laughs> today is tomorrow. <laughs> the, the, the future is yesterday. <laughs> Worry about it tomorrow. And there were all those marches and everything last Saturday. I should And that was yeah. why. <laughs> oh, the science marches, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, besides the March of Progress, what else does uh, you guys want to talk about? Uh, tomorrow is apparently the 100th day of Donald Trump's presidency. Yes. A meaningless deadline. Unless you were FDR where you passed 76 laws and TVA and save the banks. And well, <laughs> isn't it, he the gold it, standard, I think? Yes, yeah, he, he is the absolute gold standard for getting things done in the first 100 days. And since then, every president has been held to that standard. And Trump made a big deal about the first 100 days and all of the things he was going to get done in the first 100 days until he didn't actually get any of them done. 
The gilded standard, I believe. <laughs> yes. Well, he the, actually had the record for executive orders. He had 30. Oh, well. Yes. That, that's impressive. And many of them have already been overturned by the courts or put on hold. Or at least two of them have. And yeah, yeah. the rest, well, no, it's more than two. Keep in mind that, that two of them just dealing with immigration got struck down, but there have been several others. And there was the one where uh, he was uh, uh, starting to take aim at, uh, uh, quote-unquote, sanctuary cities and cutting uh, federal funds to them. That was the second one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the, yeah. And uh, as a result of that being uh, struck down uh, or put on hold anyways by a district judge in the Ninth Circuit in Northern California, uh, President Trump uh decided that uh, announced that he wanted to break up the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which hasn't even heard the case yet. <laughs> Just putting him on notice. Yeah, I guess. Uh, um, but he has been a busy bee with, um, you know, gas lines and was it repealing? Gas lighting? What? <laughs> the gas, the pipelines and starting yes. them up again. And the, the interesting thing is that the company that's building the pipeline the north dakota access the north pipeline, dakota access pipeline uh, has been found to have caused multiple spills in otherwise pristine marshlands elsewhere in the country yeah, yeah. so in other words yeah. the people concerned about them being environmental screw-ups are entirely justified he did one today to uh, look at repealing offshore drilling yeah laws and california is very yes. worried he, about it he wants to open up the continental shelf and uh, some public lands to gas and oil drilling, which, of course, will also face challenges in the courts. Because, you know, national monuments, fair. Yeah. Well, and I think he's trying to turn the national monuments back yeah. to the state so that they can yeah. and, plunder. And, and, so and, if Montana wants to plunder their national right. parks... And was the Deepwater Horizon... What? We dis- don't really need Yellowstone anyway. <sighs> was the Deepwater Horizon disaster really so bad? Yes. Ask yes. the fish. <laughs> Ask I, the fish. I don't think there I are checked. any. I can't. I yeah. checked. Yes. Yeah. Yes? Okay. Yeah. And the mine tail. Thank you, fact checker genre. The mine tailings act. I mean, we can just go down the list, but there's a lot. He he did do a lot of executive well, orders. The, the what other, he's done has mostly been to cause damage. <laughs> well, the, the other thing is what he's done has mostly had no effect because even opening up the Arctic to drilling, the oil companies say they, they're not going to do it because the price of oil is simply too low. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's why there's been a tremendous uh, uh, falling off in um, the Dakotas because there have been a lot of uh, uh, hydraulic fracking for oil there. And as oil prices plummeted, that became less and uh, less and less economical, which is in, part in of— In fact, there was an oil company in, I think it was North Dakota, that was paying people to take their oil Yeah, because it was worthless. Well, and, and that was— um, uh, by design, I think uh, the 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 price of oil dropping and and hurting U.S. oil production in places like North Dakota was the the point of uh, Saudi Arabia and other OPEC nations not cutting their production uh, a few years ago when oil prices were starting to go down. They wanted them to go down, and uh, you know basically drive U.S. competitors out of business so, so that the prices can go back up. But but the point is that you know opening new areas to drilling is meaningless. If nobody's going to drill, particularly if it's going to hold off for four years and the next person who comes in is going to say, nope, you can't do it anymore. Well, when you remove the regulation, it just, you know, if it's sitting there, it is 
sort of an open, I mean, if you really want the regulation, you want it on. You don't want it to have been repealed. Sure. Well, this is but regulation but as such. It's a ban. It's an yeah. open ban. You but you just can't drill there. But part yeah. of the uh, another reason why Trump is uh, looking foolish and uh, 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 threadbare in his accomplishments after a hundred days is things he some of the pledges he made. For example, he did pledge that for every new federal regulation they would repeal two, and. It's really hard to repeal federal regulations, in part because, you know, federal like the federal government's regulations, the regulations that are put forward by offices of the executive branch, various departments like Department of Interior, Department of Commerce or whatever. The EPA. The EPA. Um, well, the EPA is part of the Department of the Interior, but however, yeah. All these different uh, government agencies and organizations um, – they're doing that to fulfill their mandates uh, uh, as stipulated by laws that Congress has passed. But Congress doesn't pass a law that necessarily covers every last detail of, you know, how to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, petroleum companies, you know, that, that gas stations aren't poisoning the water supply in their town, you know. So that Congress says, you know, we pass a law saying— to protect, you know, the Clean Water Act protects the uh, the water table, but exactly how that is done, how companies can comply with that law, that's what the federal regulations, the government's regulations Yeah, they handle. promulgate them with yeah. hearings and all that. But yeah. they, they These can are independent be regulatory agencies. And they can be that's suspended. And, but know. it's very hard to do that because they have the force of law, because they are essentially how the law gets done. And to just sort of uh, undo them basically means now that you have laws that are unenforced and people don't know how to do things and that doesn't necessarily help because if suddenly there are no clear regulations on how to obey the Clean Water Act, that doesn't protect companies that, from lawsuits later. That's what Watts and um, Gorsuch Buford in the EPA Back did. Back in the Reagan administration they, in the early 80s. Yeah, they basically didn't hire people so the agencies were they couldn't enforce them. And that's what's happening. And yeah. that was an absolute disaster. And one of the reasons that half of those people ended up in prison. Yeah. But that's, you know, that seems to be the direction that he's going yeah. in dismantling. Pe people tend to forget that under Reagan, 138 of the people in his administration were brought up on charges or actually convicted of felonies. Including the Attorney General Meese, who our governor went to work for. Mm. Yeah. And he stayed for about a year. And then he said... I don't think I'm going to work for this administration anymore. Yeah. Came back and ran for governor the, in Massachusetts. Um, he had a lot of ethics, actually. You mean Charlie Baker? Uh, no, Welt, William Welt. Oh, Bill Welt. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had yeah. a lot of integrity. He didn't the, ever the say why. The interior secretary also went to prison, and um, several Gorsuch's other— Gorsuch's mother, I think. Yeah, did, or Sarah, at least Gorsuch's mother, who Secord, was the McFarland, head of the EPA. North, Poindexter. Those, <laughs> uh, remember that fun uh, uh, Iran-Contra scandal? Wasn't yes. that great? <sighs> Remember when Congress would actually investigate horrible scandals like that? I double checked. Yes. No, it was not great. Okay. <laughs> but um, I mean, but still, it, it thank is, you for keeping me honest, John. It is a tactic, and it is a way to dismantle the administrative state if that's what you intend to do. Well, is, it's a way I, to try. You can start things off that way, but you'll find that the bureaucracy is far more resilient than you think it is. Even under Reagan, it didn't get rid of the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy came right back as soon as Reagan was out. 
The other thing to keep in mind here is that Trump did actually achieve something. He did with the help of the Republicans in the Senate who blew up their own body uh, get somebody on the Supreme Court as right wing a person as we've seen in many years. Neil Gorsuch, yeah. Neil Gorsuch. So he, he and did that's achieve a long that. legacy. Yeah. And he did it within a hundred days, which actually a hundred days is only three months. Yeah. I was gonna ask Mike um, Well keep in mind it's it's Trump himself who made a big deal about what he was going well, to do in the yeah. first it, hundred it's, days. It's, he he certainly played into that. It's an yeah. expectation. People talked about President Obama's hun- first hundred days and so forth as well. Oh, Clinton's were a well, little Well we, we talk about every president's first hundred <laughs> yeah, yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. But, Since Roosevelt, but the fact but, yeah. is that Trump specifically said, "In my first day in office, he, I'm going to do this. My he, first he, day in office, he I'm did going to do set that. a couple of dozen and, targets, and within yeah. the first hundred days, I'm going to specifically do these thirty things." And there was, of course, also virtually none of them have gotten done. Of course, also within the first ninety days, there was going to be a report on uh, uh, collusion with Russians during the election. But I guess that report hasn't been started yet. Sue, you had a, you had something you want to say? Yeah. So, Mike, when you bought a business how long did it take to sort of find out the issues that you had and then sort of straighten them out six months what a do you year? mean when i bought a business when you bought into um the oh business the, well the business that i was already yeah. part of because yeah. i was working there yeah and it was a new business that i thought was uh, i thought six it was months or how well how long did it take for me to get to know the business no how long, no, how long str- did it take to iron out the problems that you that were joining you to I, I don't mean to allude uh, to any problems. I, you had no. Uh, um, you guys had an attorney we, that helped you and all that uh, stuff. Um, oh oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, like how no long no does no. It when really I when take I somebody uh, to well, I don't want to turn this into too much <laughs> about me. But when I invested in the in the the comic book store that I, and game store that I'm uh, a business that I'm uh, part owner of, uh, I was working there and I got to know the business and then you know I was able to buy in and that was great. Um, a few years after that, when we switched around what kind of corporation we were, there were hassles yeah. because going from being an LLC to an S corp is not that hard if you know if if you get good legal advice and know what you're doing. We didn't get enough good legal advice, so that yeah. made it more complicated. But um, well, where and that's a big part the, of the uh, problem that Trump is having. Yeah. He hasn't filled most of the positions. Yeah. In the department, and not he to. is getting and very that, bad advice. And that yeah. seems to be the case. And my understanding is that instead of appointing permanent people to various, you know, established positions like deputy undersecretary for, you know, commerce or deputy undersecretary for dealing with Latin America or whatever, you know, various, various and sundry positions that help the U.S. government deal with all the many things it deals with. Um, my understanding is he has basically sent a lot of like short-term political appointees to just sort of run herd on things and keep an eye on, on what people well, are doing. And he's also gotten going. rid of the professionals, the yeah. people who actually did know what they were doing, the people who knew East Asia, the people right. who knew the complications of the Korean Peninsula. Right. You know, it's kind of embarrassing when the president of the United States has to get calls from China telling him, no, you're doing it wrong. You don't actually understand what's going on. Or here. when following a conversation with the Chinese premier, he then says, well, you know, Korea was originally part of China, which it wasn't ever. Well, here's where I was going with this. <laughs> and the Koreans were not happy about that. And it and it may not, yeah, I may not have picked a good example because I, misunderstood how your how your business went when you yeah, bought yeah. in but when people go in to re-engineer business like black and decker when it was in trouble and they brought in an outside executive or 
Um, or it, like Mitt Romney, anytime you went in and made businesses better. N- well, no, he was actually an investment banker. That's a very did. This is when you send in a manager of operations to re-engineer how you do something. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, and and so um, Harold Janine, when he redid IT and T, that was in terrible trouble. You know, it takes them six months or so or a year to really first you first you storm it. And then you you get slapped back, but then you normalize what's happening, and and it's a process that actually takes a lot more than a hundred days to it, it, to really re-engineer how it, you do it business. It does. You're right, and I, I've I've not spearheaded that myself, but I have seen it done to some yeah. extent. Yeah. Um, and George probably has too in your travels. Well, well, well keep, keep in mind though that we're not talking about a business. And I wish people would stop trying to use business as an analogy for government. It's not. Businesses and government do not work the same way. You cannot run them the same way. Not to mention the fact that even after six months, if you've done everything you could to destroy the government, you're not going to have a functioning bureaucracy, and that's what it takes to make government run. You need that functioning bureaucracy. But if your goal is to flatten it, to not hire all these people, sure. to really take out the whole upper well, echelon of government and return it to the people who actually I, I do think, all the work. Well, I think what one will discover is that— Whether it works or not, yeah. Well, <laughs> A, yeah, I think one will discover is that the government doesn't function very well when you don't have people doing the jobs. And I, I certainly am not going to say that there are no levels of um, that, that there are no unnecessary employees, or you know that there's nobody in the government whose job could not be sort of uh, downsized or whatever the term is. Re-engineered. But it is. It. But we had this discussion before, and I was drawing the comparison um, to to NASA, for example, and I was referenced. Uh, I can't remember her name again, but the the great Sally book. Ride. No, uh, of the great book about the Challenger launch decision. Oh. And, um, you know, the, the many, many layers of management bureaucracy involved. And, and it's easy to sort of say, well, that's why it went wrong, because clearly, you know, you've got all these middle managers you don't need. It's like, no, you actually do need them, because the space shuttle was such an enormously complicated machine with all these moving parts and all these complicated systems that had to work properly. So you'd have engineers who would understand their bit, the bit they worked on, very well. And they'd report to their bosses. And their bosses would report to some other boss. So it's like, I know these. this is the team that works on, you know, uh, uh, the you know, the orientation and control system. And these are the people who work on, you know, the fuel lines and so forth. And they're all related and they're all very important things. And they're part of like a larger uh, uh, substructure that handles some part of this, uh, the space shuttle. But like, you've got to have, you wind up with two or three layers of management managers, uh, each of, at each layer who knows less about the specifics of all the details of all the systems under their purview but they have to because there's just so much to know and it would take so long to understand it all that they can't. So you have to boil it down. But even but even then, you've still got really smart people doing their very best to do what NASA does, you know, put people into space and advance the human— Safely. Safely. And, and bring them back safely and advance, you know, human knowledge and understanding. It's not easy and it's complicated. And so you inevitably wind up with these big— and and frankly dysfunctional yeah, well unwieldy and at times dysfunctional the problem with nasa with the with the challenger launch decision wasn't that you know there wasn't any sort of obvious malfeasance or stupidity there was no one who said like screw the the risks we're going to send these astronauts up there actually that's what reagan said 
Well, he said it needed to go that day, that morning. So he overrode their recommendations. He, he didn't. No, he, he, he really didn't. Trust me, please. And I'm, I'm not a fan of Ronald Reagan. And he certainly wanted it to go up because he wanted to talk about it at the State and of the Union. And made it clear at every level of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that was, that was understood. But yeah. NASA's culture of astronaut safety, you know, they'd had Apollo 1. They'd had the fire on the pad. They'd had three people die. With no escape hatch. Right. Well, <laughs> they, they had an escape hatch, but because of the way they'd been running the test— uh, it was uh, they couldn't open it from the inside. They couldn't open it from the inside because of the overpressure. To yeah, yeah, exactly. They 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 made mistakes. You know they why? never wanted to have another astronaut because film. the local person is sometimes the best person to realize what's happening. Oh yeah, i.e. the astronauts inside the capsule. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you want to keep it at that level right. wherever you can. I mean, well, that's I, a, and, and NASA and NASA at least. I mean, I'm not super familiar with how they operate today, so I'm not going to yeah. say. But certainly that was the case in the and 1980s. And does SpaceX have and less people than NASA working on I that particular piece? I, 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 I don't know. I don't the know. I don't yeah. know. And, and the, the business... Well, of keep what, in mind that also many of these SpaceX launches have failed. Yeah, That's true. And, and, and NASA certainly had a lot of failed launches, too. How many redstones exploded? Too many. Yes. Uh, oh, by the way, this is civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. Um, so anyway, I don't want to take us on to talking about NASA because like, I'm 10 years out from having any kind of you know current knowledge about it from you know trying to keep up on it or read up on it in grad school and we're talking trying to talk politics and not space exploration however cool space exploration is well and i was making the comparison to big large organizations and how do you change how they do business it is tough it is very tough it takes a while and you usually blow a few things up and get pushback like there's no absolutely tomorrow the postal service I mean, when they started to change the Postal Service, it was pretty rough for the managers because people pushed back. They had selected working at the Postal Service because they liked the tasks that they did. Yeah. And, it, and it was a huge, it was a huge uh, overreach. Now, now we should, you're, you're not we should, wrong about that. We should point out here, though, that the biggest problem with the Postal Service is that Congress was meddling with it. Oh, recently. I'm talking about when they first started yeah. to reorganize. Like how 40 it, years ago. Yeah, yeah, 40 years ago. I mean, Sorry, I'm right, old. Right now, we have the problem... <laughs> That, that Congress <laughs> insists that they fund the retirement for people who haven't even joined the organization Yeah, yet. and that's a financial... It, it's, un- it's, it's, I can't believe that anybody thinks that, that's, that's a reasonable that's requirement. That's an ideological decision to uh, impair a government agency. Yeah, they that, they uh, want to destroy the agency. That, that, people, that people like and, and that works well and that is a major point of contact with them yeah. um, uh, for the public with the government. But um, So I, I would say... That I certainly understand the idea of wanting to restructure the government and make it work better. And that is something that the Bill Clinton administrations, Bill Clinton's administration did. Al Gore uh, spearheaded that effort, I remember. Yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying there aren't good ideas. I'd say that if you really want to change how the U.S. government operates and save money and make it more efficient, step one, do an actual gosh darn audit of the Department of Defense, and then take a weed whacker to all the all the shenanigans you find there, because you'll find a lot. And how many how many people have done that? How many? Well, people I, have, I would point out that have tried. <laughs> yes, tried. Good, good I, point. I, I would point out that there was an audit of the DoD not too long ago, and found that there were billions of dollars simply missing. Oh, oh sure, from the Iraq and Afghanistan sure. yeah, the initiatives. Yeah, and just cash was. But I mean, a, I mean, a public auditing, even yeah. if they're like, you know, line items like secret bomber <laughs> project, you know, like like a full on, you know, 
uh, uh, audit the way other government agencies have to do. I don't that, think that's yeah, I mean, go- government agencies get audited on a regular basis, and sometimes major faults are found, and sometimes things look like major faults when they aren't. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, as a guy who actually works for the federal government, I can tell sure. you, yeah, there are a lot of people in my department who should simply go away. The problem is that, you know, they've got friends. And, and seniority. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, it doesn't work quite that way in my department. But, you know, you, you've got friends in high places and they keep you on or yep. they will send you on to the next project. And this is problematic for everybody. Yeah. And, and, and you find this in private business, too. Yeah. I've also worked in private business far more dysfunctional than any government agency I've ever worked for. Sure. Um, because so long, I mean, for any of these endeavors, so like on some level, so long as there's money coming in to pay for people, uh, you know, th- they'll keep doing it. Like until you fire the people or cut off the money, which kind of amounts to the same thing, you, you know, like there is an inertia that will keep going. And it can be hard um I mean, George, I know you don't want to talk in detail about your work, but I know you've done uh, work in um, disaster situations. Yes. And, you know, you've, you know, you've seen, like, the government's doing some great work, and then there are problems because it's chaotic and confusing, and it's hard to manage when it's like, we don't even know what's broken, so how do we start fixing it? Yeah, the fog and, of, well, yeah, I, and there's a whole yeah. process of finding that out. Which is inherently chaotic and, and problematic. And then if there's any kind of inefficiency or incompetence or miscommunication, it's only going to make it worse. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's easy to plan for what's going to happen. If you're in a situation which is inherently chaotic, such as on the battlefield or in a disaster Superstorm Sandy, like, yes. oh, hey, we've never had this happen to New York, ever. <laughs> yes. Um, when I arrived in New York for Superstorm Sandy... 800,000 people were homeless. I want you to think about that for a minute. Where do you put 800,000 people in a space as small as New York City? Put them on planes. <laughs> Send them somewhere else. Oh, there's lots of room in Trump Except Tower. Except said all of the airports were shut, shut down, down and there was no way to get to the airport because all of the tunnels were flooded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so problem is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So, you, you know, there, there are certain situations where things are going to be chaotic and you're, go- you're simply going to be overspending because there's nothing else that you can yeah. do. Right. Yep. You, you need, know, if, if you've got you need a, the water there you've got and a it bunch needs of Black Hawk helicopters sitting in point A and you need to get them to point B, you're going to have to do that, whatever the cost is. You have to find the pilot on the gasoline. Because you've got some fuel. poor slob in the mud out there who needs air support and needs it now. Right. And, and, you know, again, not to put you too much on the spot, but I mean, when you were working as a government employee and you go to a disaster zone and you work a 12-hour day, you know, you get which is every day, yes. right? So you would get paid some overtime too. Oh yeah, which is but a, you'd be exhausted, right, right? Well, exactly. Now, as a as a yes, we've yeah, got we've got to take a break in just cold. a couple of minutes. But I just want to say, yep. as a business owner, you know, as someone who's actually tried to think about payroll, and it's just like a small comic book store, so it's not the same thing as a federal agency. But I can tell you, one of the things you really try to avoid is paying overtime because that, you know, controlling costs is the key to making a profit, which is why, you know, I'm in business. Um, and 
you know, overtime is one of the paying somebody overtime is one of the least efficient ways you could possibly run your business. Now, very occasionally, it's absolutely necessary, and you have to do it, and there it is. And it but, saves another FTE with benefits. So right, but <laughs> you know. When you're running a business where it's like, hey, we just, you know, we have regular set hours and we know what we're doing and whatnot, you know, overtime is just not part of the game. But it's a totally different thing when it's a disaster It's like area. an emergency room. And, and, and you have yeah. to say, like, you know, that's – so, like, if – for, for if we were running my business, I would say paying George four hours of overtime a day is crazy. Find somebody else. But, you know, like like part of the thing to think about is suppose we were to do that and say, like, OK, you're going in the disaster zone, but you can only work eight hours a day. That means that other four hours of work that you're doing very basically, we'd have to find somebody, somebody else, else to do it. put them there and have them do it, which is more people in the disaster zone. I mean, it just creates all of these problems. So. You know, like like it's a totally different. My only point is that when calculus, you're re-engineering and you're blowing up an organization, that it takes time. It, it and does. You don't really know if you're going to be successful until you've you've had a lot of near misses. Yes, I'm going to push back and just say I don't think Trump actually has any real plan for what he's doing. But we're going to take a short break right now, and then you can sort of. <laughs> Make have the a, argument. Ha, have the first word. Explain like what you actually see that Trump is doing in a constructive way. Because I don't see it, but you know I'm a crazy liberal guy. And I'm like, man, Trump sucks. <laughs> and, you know, it's possible I'm. We'll just... light up the phones. <laughs> yes, indeed. But anyway, we're going to take a short break here on civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. Play some PSAs and other announcements. Make the FCC happy, and then we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. Sundays at 10 a.m., WXOJ's radio show, Occupy the Airwaves, has the latest news from the occupation movement, locally, regionally, nationally, and around the planet. Tune in at 103.3 FM or webcasting at www.valleyfreeradio.org. Blogging at occupytheairwaves.wordpress.com. Listeners can call into the show at 413-585-1033. <laughs> The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. Hi, this is Wendy, host of Subculture, a music show featuring new wave, electronic, indie, and funk. Join me Friday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ or tune in from anywhere by visiting our website at valleyfreeradio.org. If you miss Subculture on Fridays, don't worry. You can hear it again from midnight to 2 Sunday mornings. Thank you for supporting Valley Free Radio. Valley Free Radio is a proud member of Pioneer Valley Local First. Pioneer Valley Local First, encouraging people to think local, 
so they buy and bank local first. Pioneer Valley Local First also works to encourage companies in a friendly way to be socially, locally, and environmentally responsible. Thank you, Pioneer Valley Local First, for your support. It's Matthew Squire, host of the Matter Day radio show. We are Monday, 1 to 2 in the afternoon. We talk to people who are actors, we talk to people who are stunt people, and we talk to people who are musicians, writers, and anything else you can imagine. World record holders have been on the show, but why? What holds all these people together? Well, it's a common love for one thing. Video games. That's right. We've talked to people who hold world records in video games, people who have written and make their lives writing video games, and stunt actors who have done work in video games. So join me every Monday, 1 to 2, on this station to listen to more as we dive into the world and the art that is video games. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. (coughs) On your radio dial. Indeed. We are also streaming over the internet at valleyfreeradio.org, which I think many of our listeners are listening to. My mother, for example. uh, Our friend Joyce. Hi, Joyce. Um, Hi, Mom. And... um, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, by the way, it's uh, civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org, at civilpoliticsfm on Twitter, or facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. Do radios actually have dials anymore? Uh, some of them? Yes, some of them do. <laughs> yeah, if you have a crystal, you got to have a dial. To Maybe do. it's a de- deliberately retro look, but yeah, do, exactly. Do you actually that is have why. a crystal radio somewhere in your attic? Um, no, but I was looking at one the other day. Yeah. <laughs> There are, are ones that are made to have dials, basically. Yeah. They don't yeah. they don't require them. Um, it's like, but, you know, we say we dial phones. Yep. It's been a long time since I saw somebody dial a phone. It's also been a long time since you had to actually use a diskette, but that's all, always the, the icon the symbol, for saving. Yeah. I believe in sneakerware. I, by I the say. way, <laughs> actually have an external diskette drive. I do, too. Me, too. But you know, I, I just like having it. It's just fun. You know, I'm so tempted. I'm, I wonder if there's an, to check the iPhone store, see if there's an app so that you can set it up so that your phone, like uh, your screen, you dial on your screen. <laughs> I know a business in Northampton that has two dial, rotary dial yeah. phones, and it's their business line. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. People are always picking them up going, hey, look at this. It's like, hey, that's his business line. Don't pick that up. <laughs> Well, and that's how, and that that gets back to the whole theme about like sometimes change takes a lot longer than you'd expect. So, and when he tries to run a credit card, he has to borrow the phone from the other business because <laughs> he can't do touch tone. Right. So, so Sue, I just um, honestly, excuse me. Go yes, ahead, there is an app like that. There is yes, there is an app for that. For rotary oh, dial. Yes. Oh, fun. Yeah, rotary rotary <laughs> dial on a virtual touch screen, and it is ninety nine cents. Uh, too rich for my blood. Yep. Impress yeah. your friends. But um, so Sue, uh, I, as I said, Donald Trump. Like I think, as you know, he wasn't my guy. I, yeah, I know that. Know. I'm not asking you to try and justify. And I know him, a guy you? that could straighten out the government, but he didn't get very far. So well, I, I, I or a woman. I think Hillary could have done a lot to change things. Too. I'm not sure she's such a change manager. I don't know that she would have wanted to, yeah. but I think she could have. Yeah. But um, I think there are things that she would have changed, and could have changed. And certainly, she had a better idea of how government worked. I yeah. will. Give, oh yeah, I she will had give lots it to Donald Trump. Knowledge that he does seem to be learning some things. He's getting a lot of people who are telling him things, such as uh, "No dummy, that's not the way you do it." 
And he he does seem to be evolving. Listen. He does seem to be I learning. I think he's very verbal. I don't think yeah. he the, the reads very I, much. The problem is, however, that we needed somebody who knew more about government to begin with. I, I would agree. Who knew more about the world to I, begin I with. I would agree. And, and I think Trump not understanding how things work is certainly one of his defining characteristics. But I, in a way, even more than that, was he didn't really seem to have a a strong agenda or vision for what he wanted to do, other than like I don't like immigrants. You, you know, he like he really is a, a, a an old retired man who doesn't like all these you know long haired hippies on his lawn, and he wants to he's yelling at them to get off. Save a totally different take on him. I, you yeah, know, I believe in disruptive technologies, and one of the things they say is ready. Well, I believe they fire exist. aim. And I think that's what Donald Trump is doing. He's doing ready, fire, aim. He he. Usually, when I hear that phrase, it's as a description of doing something wrong. Though. Yeah, it's not in a disruptive like Fast Company. If you ever pick up that magazine, it's it's all about sort of companies that move very quickly. It's sort of like the Uber model, where you're not you don't really care in some ways that you're breaking laws and that it's not legal and that it you know that maybe some of your drivers have. So the Some Colombian history. cartel management style. Um, well, yeah, Uber, it's Uber it's a lot the of the new companies are actually much more this style than they were the yeah. old IBM sort of set in your ways. But, but so I have to give it to Trump because I think he is I think he is doing a lot of things that he promised and he is getting smacked back. But I think he really is trying to well, do the things he, that he promised. He's trying to do some of the things, but he's not a- trying very actually, well or having he, much results. He has backed away from most of the things that he said he was going to do in the first hundred he's not, days. Well, Car- see, China's I, not a currency manipulator. He hasn't announced that he's dropping out of NASA. See, you guys are misreading it. It's the... I'm gonna I'm gonna attack Canada and Mexico, and we're gonna blow up the whole NAFTA thing. Oh, you want to negotiate with me? Okay, well we'll try that I, for a I while. Think, I think I you're misreading think it, actually, Sue. I think you're giving this guy far more credit than he is due. Yeah. I think that he is doing this stuff having no idea at all how it's going to turn out. Just as he's doing really really silly things in East Asia right now. Yeah. Yeah, you and know the fact that the, the Chinese in, have in, to in, explain in, to him that they don't actually control North Korea yeah. is frightening. The fact that Launching the German premier has to explain to him how the European Union works and uh, how and NATO. international finances work. It's frightening. And, and this and, guy doesn't have a clue. And launching ineffective missile strikes in Syria. Have you ever been in a business when a brand new young manager comes in and they yes, make I have. all the mistakes and they screw stuff up and they don't know how it used to be done and they don't realize that's a problem and wait a second, we've already tried that. And you know what? They actually are really successful. Actually, Some of these young I found people. That they're not. I, I, every, every time somebody comes in new like that, I find that they fail massively. See, so uh, Trump may or may not be uh, like. Yeah. I won't say that that can't work because I, I I'm aware of instances where that actually does work. But the key to that, I and think I was going to say it's worked here at Valley Free Radio. I think there's been a real um, rejuvenation of well, this with I, the I, new board, and I, I, and I, I'm I used to work to at the Detroit Free Press. I would I we would chalk that up to our chief programmer. We had a new. We had a new editor come in who had all of these new ideas about what should be done and how it should be done. She lasted less than a month. That happens sometimes too. Because she was a total failure. Yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, in this administration, we've already seen a bunch of people who have gone by the yep. wayside, including Michael Flynn, who it looks like may be going to prison sometime. Not I hope so. I yet. always worried so, about that guy. And I, I'm happy to talk about him in just a moment. But I just want to say, so my experience has been that when people come in and make real disruptive change. Um, Everyone's miserable. Well, sure. But when they when they come in or when they have insights into how something works and they want to make changes, um, either they understand how things work very well already or else they don't care or else more to the point not caring is easy more to the point they have an insight they have a vision for what's going to happen for how things should be that is different from what's going on but that is viable that works and that they have this understanding that other people have missed because you know they're following these structural paradigms i mean this is the kind of model that thomas kuhn was talking about even though he was trying to talk about scientific discovery like this kind of like how bureaucracies change and you know i like thomas kuhn, and thomas right? kuhn's uh, <laughs> the structure of scientific revolutions i mean that yeah. kind of thinking that's the kind of thing he's talking about and it can happen it absolutely can but what is Trump's actual worldview paradigm that is different? That is other than like, he, like he's nervous with people with dark skin, especially if they're Mexicans. He wants to build a wall at the border. I mean, a wall at the border. That's his big idea. And he wants to. An idea that most people have already said will not work. Right. And, and he wants to what? Threaten North Korea and pick a fight with China. I mean, and get get the NATO allies to pay back the money they owe that they don't actually the 2% owe. Two percent of their not, GMP. No, but that's he, he says you owe us money, and that's not how NATO works. You know, they don't owe us money. Like like the commitment of the NATO treaty is that they might pay more of their own money on their own defense departments and budgets, and that's Wait, that's maybe about we thing. could go but down to one percent. But that's not money. Oh wow, that would be a great thing for us to actually yeah. cut our defense budget by that much. Yeah, but um. All of that is to say, I don't see any sign that President Trump has a real plan. He's he's a crotchety old man. Or an who, understanding of, of what right. is there. He's a crotchety old man who watches too much Fox News. And he says things like, you know, like, like who knew health care would be so complicated? He and, actually said that he thought that it would be easier right, to be president. Just, just yesterday. That it would be less complex. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's like, he thought it would be easier than his old job. Of, of running his businesses. And it's like, on what universe? So maybe he'll last a year. <laughs> uh, I hope But I do, I do give him credit, and I have to say, I can see some of the really senior management style in him that I've seen in my travels over the years, working for all different sizes, businesses and government, nonprofits. I, I, and and, it's, and it's, a, it's a take no prisoners, threaten, scare, and then negotiate with people. And I see him do it in every arena. I don't think it's inconsistent right. for him. I, I would point out, though, that he has failed in most of those arenas. He's, he's had some, he's going to fight the, the sanctuary city thing, and he's going to fight, but he's, he's laid down I, I, I the marker. I wasn't just talking well, well, about the stuff in the last hundred days. Yeah. If you take a look at his businesses, he has failed over and over and over again. He has lost tens of millions of dollars because he's doing just what you described. And it is a failed process. And you would think that after so a while... So what's his net worth now, do you think? Well, it depends on who you talk to. He claims that it's $10 billion. Most of the people who have looked into I his finances say that it's a lot less than that. Maybe $2 billion, And a lot of that is just in branding. 
yeah how much he values his own brand yeah. but also let's 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 take a look for a moment at um and uh, I said he's not my with, guy. I, I just know, say I we, we understand yeah. why. I know, but, but we I understand. That I understand Chris Christie, who has his own problems. <laughs> well, let's take a look at at um, how <coughs> President Trump is handling our relations with other countries. So, one of the things that other countries look for when, right? We, it's important to remember the United States is the most powerful, militarily most powerful, and most dangerous nation the planet has ever seen. We are also the richest nation the planet has ever seen, with the biggest economy the planet has ever seen. So now we're going to bully other people. And we have a global reach. Well, the thing is, like, and remember, uh, before uh, uh, the the well-run uh, administration of President Barack Obama, we had the colossal catastrophe of George W. Bush. And George W. Bush, among, not a real Republican. <laughs> yes, and among other things, a guy and spent well, like he, a drunken sailor. Bush, a guy. He other, spun. He spent money like I, a drunken I, sailor. I, I agree. <laughs> and among other things, he invaded Iraq for no reason and told a lot of lies to justify it. And the rest of the world, I don't think, has forgotten that with uh, an incompetent or or obstreperous ideologue, we can be an incredibly dangerous and threatening power. So the rest of the world is looking at us very carefully. And when Donald Trump says blah, 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 you know, shoots his mouth off and says something, they don't know. Like, like you remember how, like, during the uh, election, people were saying, like, well, you uh, liberals need to understand you need to take Trump seriously, but not literally. Yeah. You remember that, that phrase? Yeah. Yes. So he here's the problem. They're still saying it. Right. So here's the problem. Other nations don't have some kind of magic decoder ring that lets them know which of the nonsense things President Trump says he's actually going to mean or how, how he means them. So they look at it, and all they have to go by is what he actually says, and they're trying to make decisions about how to interact with the most powerful and dangerous nation on the planet. We've created instability. We've sure. created massive instability and yeah. problems for well, us. I, I mean, our own allies aren't sure if they can trust us. I, I would point out that... <coughs> Trump has been talking about uh, trade with Mexico and how, you know, he will suddenly get rid of NAFTA, which, by the way, the president cannot do, and he will impose. Well, a process. He to will do impose it. all yeah. sorts of things on Mexico, and Mexico's response is: you realize that we we import huge amounts of American agricultural products. And if you try any of this stuff, we'll just stop. Yeah, we'll, well buy our we'll buy our corn from Brazil and Argentina, where it's already cheaper. But both Canada and Mexico have now said they will reopen negotiations. And, and you know they've been saying for years. And it, I would point out absolutely, this has nothing to do with Trump. It has nothing to do with Trump. It has nothing to do with his threats. They've been saying for years that they need to make tweaks to NAFTA. That's a very different thing than actually renegotiating it, yeah. which Trump doesn't understand, and he obviously doesn't understand it. His idea is that he's going to go in and run roughshod over these other two countries, and their response is, okay, we're going to buy our stuff from somebody else. Your agricultural products are going to rot in the fields. And we're going to— And that destroys jobs. Right. It destroys jobs throughout And that's the what the bureaucracy always says, is we will ruin you if you touch well, this. Well, but this is their bureaucracy, not <laughs> yes. ours. Yes, I just want to mention— This isn't our government bureaucracy. This is another— No, no, I just, I just I'm saying— mention, by the way, you're but I'm saying that's civil an, politics here on Valley Free Radio. That's, ahead, the, that's the normal position, is you can't touch this. 
this is too complicated. This kid, you know, it's really it's yeah, interesting because what, what he's saying. What if it's saying, true? Well, it might be true, but I, I think, think it is. We're going to find out, and that's the part well, that I think. Well, let me put it this way: if I can get corn from the United States at a hundred dollars a ton, and I realize that that's not the actual cost, and I can get it from Brazil at seventy-five dollars a ton. And maybe it costs a little bit more to ship it from Brazil than it does to just ship it across that one border. But the United States is threatening to charge me $200 per unit for shoes or cars or whatever it is that I'm making. Why would I keep doing business with the United States? Right now, the, the United Kingdom has the problem that they're about to withdraw from the European Union. And they've been saying all along, oh, we'll get this special deal with them. And Germany and France and everybody else in the EU is going, um, no. We're going to make you pay. Why would we give you this special deal that makes you the same as members of the European Union when you're withdrawing? No. Yeah. You're going to pay. You're going to pay a lot. Yeah. And, and let's consider something else since we're talking about sort of geopolitical issues or whatever. This is something I was reading on um – Salon, I think. <clears throat> but it sort of pointed out that um, one of the one of the things that's uh, been true of the United States and our sort of our security position here in the Americas for a long time is that we are the big sort of economic power in our hemisphere. And, uh, you know, nations up and down the Americas do business with us because we're the the, the big bad boys. Um, and over the past 20 or 30 years, China's made real inroads in places like Brazil and Peru and South America. Well, but they haven't had any luck in Mexico because, you know, they haven't had any business with Mexico, really, because Mexico, not only do they do it's a lot of business in. with us, yep. but they know they are they're joined at the hip to us. Yeah. So if Trump really wants to cut them loose, they would be more than happy, I think, to start doing business with China. And then that just gives China, which is... You know, like, I don't want to talk too much about, like, realpolitik and, you know, global balance or whatever, because I don't think the world has to only be that way. But nevertheless, China is an emerging world power, and allowing them to have more leverage with a major nation to our south is a really big deal. I, I would point out that we got rid of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yeah. And instantly China moved in and made effectively the same deal with the countries that we had abandoned when we got rid of the TPP. Right, because the point of the TPP was to bring them closer to us. And take away China's power in the Pacific. China's influence, yeah. But we were also harmonizing a lot of the environmental stuff. And, you know, one of the problems, problems with yeah. those those kinds of trade deals is that they harmonize the regs so that you kind of look the other way with how they are and we can bring our standards down. Yeah, and the, isn't it the, fascinating the that the Republicans d didn't like that, that Trump didn't like that, a man who never met an environmental regulation he liked? Yeah. The thing is, though, that you could tweak that. You can fix that. But once China takes power, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have a, a bizarre divide in the United States where the Trump supporters still love Trump. They think he's doing a wonderful job. The true believers, yeah. The true believers. Or they, yes. or they at but, very least think that he's, he's in the, his heart's in the right place, he's trying to head in the right direction, and maybe he hasn't made enough progress yet, yeah. but he will. Five to but seven the, the percent have left him, The vast majority yeah. of them 
And I've I've heard these people speak say no he's doing a wonderful job he's doing exactly what he said he's doing he's doing exactly what he, we want him to do, and this is primarily people in rural areas. Yeah. You know here in the Happy Valley we've got Northampton and Amherst and these sort of lefty liberal places. I'll but probably we also get egged when I leave here. Like I Sunderland <laughs> and Westfield, yeah, which are very much right of center. Yeah. Army base. And yep. if yeah. you go to some place like Missouri or Texas or Florida or Alabama, the rural areas of these states are the people who voted for Trump. They the are forgotten, largely the forgotten men. true believe in evangelical Christians. They hate those liberals who live in the cities, meaning us. And well, except for Sue here. <laughs> Though they hate Sue, too, for other reasons. I grew up in the country, so. <laughs> I, I didn't. Dead end dirt road in the middle so, of a swamp. <laughs> so you have this massive really? divide that's yeah. only no, getting no wider. And we see it not just in the United States, but elsewhere, too. We're seeing it in France, where you have people oh, living yeah, that, in the, in that the countryside who are supporting Marine Le Pen because they think that she's going to be strong against those foreigners. There's a real nationalism. There is. Yeah. Yeah. You have it in India, where the BJP, the Hindu Nationalist Party, is sweeping the country and over and over again because well they don't like those Muslims and Christians and Buddhists and other freaks they want everybody to be Hindu. Well, and the uh, the the rural urban divide <coughs> I think also is a big part of the uh, base of support for Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the yep. president of Turkey. Yes, and I got to say I do find this kind of bizarre. I mean, I recognize that like. I grew up in the suburbs, and I, I've got a very different life from what outside most of Boston, right? Outside of Boston, north yeah. of Boston, and I, I, you know, a mind is not the only way to live, and there are lots of other values you can have that are that are that are that are strong and viable. And there's, you know, like like living in the countryside, you know, whatever is is fantastic. But I do have to say, you know, uh, one of the reasons I like living in Massachusetts is because we are rich. We are healthy. We are prosperous. You know, like we have like one of the best standards of living in the world. We're one of the best states in the country. And sort of our our crazy liberal values where we are the first ones to put gay marriage, you know, say that that's totally fine, you know, is part of the reason we are this way. And so I don't understand why other parts of the country are so down on on following our example because it's like oh you don't They're, like having ha, being rich and well educated okay well, well fine well, keep We're in also mind parochial that if, here. if you are me parochial my god woman i don't know what you mean <laughs> if if you are as i said an evangelical christian living in missouri the idea of massachusetts being the first state to allow marriage equality is absolute anathema Sure. And it was one of the big reasons that the southern states went so heavily for Trump. They're against that. The idea of Obergefell scared the hell out of them. Well, but And uh, I think we're out of time. We are running out of time, but over evangelicals are a decreasing part of the population too. Uh, so Anyway, Sue, you want to have a last word here? I'm speechless. Ah. <laughs> oh, actually, I thought you guys were going to get me on this one, so I brought this factoid. It's actually on your side. Wow. And it is that the um 
the um, the production for the U.S. in the first quarter is actually down. It's to point one point seven. Oh, the point seven percent. Yeah, yeah, growth yeah. The and they quarter. were saying the first quarter is actually off. So that I well, thought you're gonna a lot. You're gonna nail me of the with year that. Is usually slow, nah. anyways. Yeah, I think they were comparing it to last year first quarter. Well, and so. and if you want to make if you want to say it's a problem, then it's a problem. You've really got to lay at the at the door of uh, President Obama because you know. <laughs> His presidency was what was leading up to it. It's, well, it's, I would, it's, I would it's point out that Obama had regularly much higher. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's not for another quarter or two that we can begin to really talk about Trump's effect. To blame Trump. <laughs> and we're being told to wrap it up. Yes. So uh, that's it for tonight for Civil Politics uh, here on Valley Free Radio. We'll be back with more of it next week. Uh, stay tuned now for Subculture from uh, 8 to 10 and then Off the Record from 10 to Midnight. Thanks for listening. Good night.